Hello, listener. This is the Instructional Redesign Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Suarez. We feature stories and conversations about the design of modern learning experiences. In this episode, co-host Kara North and I chatted with experienced L&D practitioner and business owner, Jack Hutchinson. She shared with us her origin story and some deeply personal experiences around her decision to go out on her own and eventually form an incorporated business, eLearning Pros. If you are currently a business owner or thought about maybe someday making the transition, Jack lays out some great advice and wisdom. It was a great interview and we thoroughly enjoyed talking with Jack. Unfortunately, we lost Kara's audio afterwards, so you won't be hearing her this episode, but I promise she was there asking questions and making comments along with me. So you may hear a couple rough transitions and places where I had to rephrase a question Kara posed, but... Otherwise, it's the wonderful conversation we had with Jack as it unfolded. Before we get to it, I want to quickly thank our sponsor for this episode, Instructional Design Genius, a comprehensive end-to-end platform that supports learning professionals as they plan, build, deploy, and measure training initiatives. Find out more by listening to episode 12 of our podcast, where I interview creator Chris Draley, or by visiting instructionaldesigngenius.com. And with that, here is our conversation with Jack Hutchinson. A long time ago, there was a company called Executrain, and I was an an Executrain instructor for uh, Microsoft Office applications, and that is how I got into teaching adults. You know, your story is unique, and at the same time, it's common. So I hear a lot of people say that they started out doing some type of software training and then found out they really liked it. And they're like, what is this thing that, what is this thing called where you stand up in front of people and train people? And that's how they become, you know, the accidental instructional designer. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know what, I've loved it. It's, there's, there was no turning back after, after my first class, because being able to um, see those light bulb moments, right? Where the the student's like, oh yeah, I finally get this. Oh yeah, it's compared to this. Or, oh yeah, this is great. Thanks for this. I can use this tip or, you know, and, and even if I had, and some classes weren't great, you know, not every class is a wonderful class, but you have those classes where at the end someone comes up and even if it's one little tip and they say, that tip is gonna save me so much time, thank you. That That makes the class, that makes the day everything else just you know it's just wonderful right so you're doing some software training and then what happens after that um what happens after that (laughs) i trained for executrain and uh, then i got a role with uh, because of my insurance experience and having been a broker and training in a in a broker environment I became an instructor for an insurance broker management system where I got to travel around Canada uh, taking insurance brokerages into um, either onto a new platform, transitioning them from an old broker management system into a new broker management system. And what a broker management system is, is just a, uh, it's a database that allows the insurance brokerage to capture their customers and prospects, uh, what insurance policies they have, the coverage, the insurance companies, but it's also a financial system. So it manages all of the, the billing. Um, and so I got to travel across Canada helping insurance brokerages adopt this new software. 
And from there, I actually got offered a role with an insurance brokerage to be their support person. So this was kind of, for me, a transition from just being a stand-up instructor um, and a technology enthusiast, because I've been a technology enthusiast for a very long time. But it allowed me to really own the software and own the teaching and and really help that brokerage stand out from all the rest. Um, at the same time, I was considering going out on my own at way back then. This is a long, long time ago. So we're going to say this was my daughter would have been. So this would have been 1998, maybe. And I was already considering going out on my own then to support businesses and to make sure that, um, you know, other other businesses that were using broker management systems and using Microsoft Office uh, could look at how to adopt paperless. At that time, paperless and insurance was really big. I didn't think forward. I wasn't thinking about, well, what happens once they've all adopted Microsoft Office and everybody knows what they're doing? What happens when you know, the industry changes or what happens when the next system comes out and I don't know what it is. I didn't think about those things. I only thought about, well, I can do this now and uh, I don't have to report to anyone. I can do it on my own time. I can be home. I can pick up my daughter at, you know, from school. And to me, it was, it was, uh, it was a win. My second go round, however, completely different. I really wanted to bring something to the insurance industry that I felt was missing. And so I, I made the leap. I, I went out on my own and uh, I had a couple of really great clients that I had worked with previously as the software trainer for the broker management system who had me back repeatedly to help them do multiple things. And, uh, you know, I, I had a great time and I made good money and I got to speak at a couple of uh, insurance industry conferences about uh, technology implementations. And that was really cool. However, my husband was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And that required that I needed to give up my, what was actually part-time work for a full-time job with benefits to help support him and to ensure that I had a steady income because that's the one thing that, you know, as a freelancer, it's feast or famine at times where we have a lot of work in one month and then we could go two or three months without a lot of work to pay the bills. And, uh, we, you know, we were okay. My husband's had, he has a great job and uh, he has benefits, but we needed the extra help. We needed the stability and not knowing what was going to happen, I needed to have a job with benefits. So I gave up my first business and went to work for a national Canadian transportation company as the manager of e-learning and development. I'd been doing a lot of e-learning as part of my business and uh, designing and developing e-learning solutions. So for me, this was really cool. It was like, I can't believe they hired me for this. I, hooray. <laughs> and, um, and I worked for them for several years. And uh, part of what my role was there was to implement a learning management system. And so we looked at a couple of systems and uh, we implemented at that time 
the course mill system by Trivantis. It was easy. It was. Uh, it gave the drivers. We had about three thousand drivers across Canada. It gave the drivers everything they needed when they needed it. It gave us our compliance reporting. So it was a really good, easy to implement solution. And what we liked about it was that it wasn't in the cloud. It was hosted on our own web servers and uh, we had full control. So I implemented this solution. It went very well. We really uh, made good use of it. And the Trivantis, the company, started to talk to, I guess, the city of Toronto, their um, I can't remember what her role was, but now she's a deputy. She's a deputy for IT. But um, they were talking with this uh, woman from IT who was looking at implementing a learning management system for the city of Toronto. And they were looking at, as an interim, implementing Course Mill to support one of the divisions that was losing their learning management system. So the Toronto Fire Services was with a uh, a company that was shutting down and they needed this this learning because it's it's absolutely critical to the ongoing uh, business practice for Toronto Fire that they have to be continuously trained and um, you know it's a safety concern for the citizens and visitors to Toronto so they uh, they called me and asked me what was my what was my experience like using course mill and how did I like it and what were the benefits and wanted to know all about my experience implementing this learning management system and then for several weeks in a row contacted me throughout my day at my day job to come and interview for this position on a project to implement a learning management system for for the city and it was to the point where if I didn't go to the interview I felt that she would call me continuously and and it was starting to actually interfere with my day job so I went for the interview and I got the job and I was now the lead for LMS implementation for the city of Toronto, 38,000 employees uh, implementing for 44 unique divisions that all have different business needs. And uh, that transitioned me from being uh, the instructional designer for e-learning for my Canadian transportation company into the technology side. That's where I was. Now, I mentioned that it was kind of like a I look at it as two unique decisions of going out on my own. The first was, you know, I recognized there was a, a need in the industry to fill a void. And the second is my my city of Toronto job, which I, I loved. However, after six years of being the learning management system lead, I was tired and cranky. I lost my joy for learning for anything. Uh, I was feeling resentful. I didn't want to get up and go to work. I had a three-hour daily commute. And all I did all day was put out fires for divisions, uh, solving technology problems. I, I wasn't creating solutions that changed behavior and made a difference in the organization. And I, and I really felt that I was missing that and wanted to get back to my roots. So decision number two, getting back to my roots. But I'm going to tie this all back to my husband getting MS and me having to go get a permanent job because for six years, I spent probably three of them planning to leave, planning to leave this great government job that nobody ever leaves, planning to go back out on my own because I needed to know that I had the flexibility if my husband's MS deteriorated, that I was able to be at home 
working and I could provide the care that he needs. He doesn't right now, so we're, we're really good, but I'm, I'm where I'm at for that. And that's my story. That's a great story. And, you know, what you highlight is, I think, what a lot of people struggle with when they're con- contemplating going out on their own. It's that they see what they would benefit from from being out on their own, but the the other tangible benefits of a full-time job uh, are very visible. The, the health care and the stability of a nine-to-five job, not worrying about where work's going to come in and things like that. And I know from just from personal experience, I work a full-time job, but do a little bit of work on the side. And I, I get very intrigued by the possibility of going out on my own. Um, but supporting a family, wife and kids, uh, it's just not feasible right now. So for me, work always, full-time work always comes first. And uh, where I can squeeze it in, I do a little bit of side work. Um, but for you, let's, let's talk about now that you're on your own, what do you find most rewarding about consulting now? I love giving my clients a solution that they weren't expecting, but that meets their needs and, and that they can glow about. Um, yeah, uh, I like stretching myself and accomplishing things for my clients that I didn't think that maybe I would be able to do. And a lot of that is thanks to my extended network. Um, what I find challenging, though, about being out on my own, I think I find more challenges than I do rewards. I mean, I love being at my house. I love enjoying my country property. I love that, you know, if I want to get up at 530 in the morning and come up to the office and work, I can do that. If I want to sleep in until seven, I can do that. Um, You know, so there are like lots of benefits. I can go and have coffee if I if I choose to with a friend or I could go have lunch, whatever. Um, But the challenges really are uh, I, I've I've worked for myself for a long time and I and I still have challenges so I don't think the challenges ever go away but my biggest challenge is shutting off at the end of the day and saying okay I've worked my nine hours I'm gonna go down I'm gonna have dinner I'm gonna enjoy my evening with my husband and uh, play a little video game or something watch the ball game do whatever but I still can't shut off I'm always thinking about work I'm and I work a lot on weekends still too so that's a challenge that is challenging do you have any like uh tips or tricks that you use to try and shut that off well the biggest thing is uh i moved my office to a room up in in our upstairs of our home so that i actually physically have to leave the environment and uh it's almost like i can close the door and and not come back upstairs and if i do tend to come upstairs my husband's like where are you going what are you doing how long are you going to be so <laughs> he's getting good at, at keeping track of me. But um, tips that I would, would use would be scheduling things outside so that you can you can get away. You can do things. Going out with uh, my girlfriends, uh, scheduling a phone call or a web chat with my daughter who's in another city. And, um, you know, just making sure that I do these other things. I also uh, do a lot of my professional development uh, reading books, reading blogs, research before and after work. So although it's work related, it allows me to shut off the actual work that has to get done, the billable work, and allows me to continue to feel as though I'm working, although I'm not. <laughs> so that's that's my way around it, I think. 
we still we used to get up at 4:30 in the morning and I used to leave my house at 5:15, be on a train at six o'clock and be at my desk at seven. I get up now at 5:30. I have my coffee, do some reading, catch up on Twitter, and I'm at my office by 20 after six. So I'm upstairs with, you know, having had breakfast, usually showered, um, you know, come up here and I'm, and I'm here at six. I, I work all day <laughs> and, and work for me is um, billable work, research, and then networking because networking is such a huge component of being on our own. Um, for my first few months, it really didn't look any different than what my day looked like normally because like Joe, I was working my permanent full-time job, but I also had a lot of project work that I was doing on the side. And I, I kind of want to tie this back to the how did you know it was time to go out on your own question. One of the one of the things that I did was I said, I can't actually put in my letter of resignation to my permanent full-time job until I'm clearing the same amount invoiced build work as what I bring home from my job. And so I was working pretty much the equivalent of two full-time jobs. Now I, I feel as though I'm, I'm working less, but my days really, they, they consist of, finding billable work, doing billable work, researching, networking, uh, keeping myself up to speed on what's happening in the L&D industry. Because being on our own, we don't have colleagues to talk to. So it's really important for us to, to find places where we can f- talk about what's happening in L&D so that you know, we can keep up with what everybody else is doing and, and where the industry is headed. Um, so that's, that's really, that's my day. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Like what places or tools do you use to stay connected with other professionals? Twitter. I love Twitter. I so love Twitter. (laughs) Um, yeah, Twitter is definitely, uh, one of my one of my places to go to be connected to people and get answers to questions that I can't answer. And every once in a while, I feel as though I can contribute to uh, someone's challenge. LinkedIn is also a great place to go and find um, people who are struggling with some of the same things and and building relationships. Uh, I use LinkedIn more for the business side than the solve a L&D problem. I absolutely love the TLD cast that's every day at 11 o'clock Eastern. And um, there are a couple of Facebook groups that I'm that I'm part of that I participate in, not for L&D, but for business, because uh, business is um, it's really important to know what you're doing for business. So. And I understand you're kind of remote where you are. Do you still get any chances to do in-person meetups or anything like that with people? I did when I first started. I made a real effort to go. But for me, it's it's almost like, and I I don't want this to sound um, 
negative, but for me, it's a big production to get to where my friends and colleagues are. It's, it is a three hour commute for me to get downtown. So if I wanted to go and see someone, I'm traveling for, th- for three hours there and back, 90 minutes there, 90 minutes home. And um, it's, it's a big chunk out of a billable day. So I do spend most of my networking actually using Zoom. I'll, um, I'll set up a coffee chat and, uh, and, and actually will turn off what I'm doing. It will only be Zoom that's open. I shut my email. I turn off um, all my web browsers except for my Zoom window. And um, I will have a conversation with one or more people to talk through, you know, whether it's L&D or whether it's um, business and, and meet that way. So for me, I'm more virtual than I am in person, but I do love in-person events and uh, I try to attend. But again, where I'm located, it's very difficult for me to get to, um, to events just because of the travel time. At this point, Kara asked a great question. What are the top three skills an L&D professional needs to make it on their own? You know, the discipline to get up and, and go downstairs. The, the discipline to work on a project only during project hours or the discipline to get a project done when it needs to get done, knowing that we could potentially be in feast or famine. So I think that's one thing that someone said, oh, you need a lot of discipline to work for yourself. And I'm like, no, I don't. What are you talking about? But you do. You really do need to have um, a, a lot of discipline. And I think if if I was to be mentoring someone who wants to do this and be out on their own, it would be everybody suffers from imposter syndrome and it's okay, but you're not an imposter and you do know your stuff and it is okay to, to um, tout your wares. And the other thing would be, and I really struggle with this, one of my former bosses said when he heard that I was going out on my own, he's like, well, I don't know. You really take things personally. I don't, you know, I don't think self-employment's for you. And, um, and I do, I take things personally. Uh, if, you know, it, it used to be that if someone didn't answer my email, uh, I was a terrible person. And so it's okay to take things personally and to, to have your heart in what you do. But, get over that. Don't take it personally. There's no slight against you most of the time that if somebody doesn't respond to you, it's because they're busy. And I have found now the shoe is on the other foot where people are emailing me and I'm so busy right now. It's taking me a day or two to get back to them. And so I see now having been here that, you know, I can't take things personally. I shouldn't take things personally. And, and um, so those are, those are three things I would leave someone with is, discipline. You're not an imposter and don't take things personally. Here, Kara asked Jack, what advice would you give to somebody thinking about entering the consulting world? This is a really good question. Honestly, it's, it's, it's a really hard question to answer because I think it depends on whether someone wants to be a freelancer, which means all it is, is Jack Hutchinson doing work for somebody or whether they want to turn that into a business where the business is doing the work and the business pays the person, me. Um, Because it's 
a little bit different skill set, I think, that needs to be uh, developed for either of those. And I happen to have just transitioned in the last 18 months from being the freelancer into being an incorporated business where now my business pays me instead of, oh, I'm going to invoice somebody, they're going to send me a check and it's going to be in my name and I can cash it and it can go in my bank account. Um, So I think if somebody is considering going out freelance, you need to decide, are you going to be the business or is the business going to pay you as an employee? You need to understand networking. Absolutely, Kara. It's the, I think for me, it's the biggest thing. Understanding networking and making use of it. Because if you don't have an opportunity for uh, projects, you're, you might as well go back to corporate. Uh, and without networking and without having uh, a list of, of potential projects or knowing where to find those projects, uh, there's no, there's no point in being a freelancer. You need to understand accounting and you need to understand your tax laws. So for me, if you don't, if you don't have an understanding of how much money you need to be setting aside from what you're invoicing your clients so that you can be a good legal law abiding citizen, (laughs) um, you know, it can be very challenging. the worst thing that can happen, and it didn't happen to me, but it has happened to others, is that uh, you don't set aside the money and the next thing you know, you go to do your taxes and you owe a whole bunch of income tax. So, you know, be prepared for that. Um, Be a good accountant. And for both of them, I think you need to, the third thing would be to manage, manage projects, be able to manage multiple projects because even accounting can be looked at as a project. Oh, I have to do this project work on Fridays, and it's that's what I do Fridays, and organizing your time. So if you're, however, if you're looking to be a company that pays yourself, uh, you can outsource the accounting, so you don't need to be an accountant. But you probably should understand accounting and should know the position of your business. Um, and, and being able to engage in sales conversations, to be able to close that sale, would be the, the third skill that you would need for being a business versus being a freelancer. So I think there's like four skills there that one of them, one of them doesn't overlap. So much of what you're describing is the other side of being your own boss, right? So a lot of people say, I want to go out and be on my own so I can be my own boss, meaning they don't want someone telling them what to do. They want to be the decision maker. But along with that comes everything you're talking about, the knowing tax laws and doing accounting and being a project manager and the marketer and everything else that goes along with, you know, owning a a business and going out on your own. Yeah, we wear Um, a lot of hats, right? So certainly freelancer or business, you wear a lot of hats. Yep. Yep. And I think it's just a personality thing. Uh, As much as people would like to not be told what to do, at the end of the day, a lot of people just kind of, it's a better role for them to just be part of an organization. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you have a podcast called The Lounge Podcast. I and do. And I have to confess, I love your podcast. <laughs> it's, it's, I get excited when I see that you have a new episode posted. So we're um, not going to tell anyone that I didn't release yesterday's episode and that it's due to be released today. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, I, I don't notice what your release schedule is. I just see that there's something mm. new posted and I get excited. I'm so glad um, you're listening. Thank you. Yeah, it's great. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you got into that. <laughs> well, <clears throat> it was a long time ago. No, <laughs> uh, it, it actually was. It was about three years ago. And uh, I had attended a Electora conference. Uh, I'm a Power Electora user, uh, Electora instructor, and a certified Electora advanced author. And uh, a couple of years ago, I attended a Electora conference, and one of the guys, Rick Zanotti, was uh, video casting. And uh, I knew that he did this, and I'd seen a couple of his shows, uh, picked up a couple of his, his episodes along the way, and you know, it wasn't, I wasn't a regular watcher, but as I was watching him talk to people about their experience at the conference, I'm like, I really can't find anything. And I love podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts for ages. That's what I would listen to on my commute. Um, business podcasts, learn, well, I didn't really have a lot of learning podcasts, which is kind of where I was, where I was, right? At that time, it was like, well, I, I can't really find anything that I want to listen to or nothing that's helping me grow as a professional. And I thought, I'd really love to talk to people about what's happening in L&D and where things are. And so that was like three and a half years ago or so. And then <laughs> I had a lot of fear. I knew I could do it, but I, I didn't think anyone would listen. And I didn't think that um, anyone would, would think that the story I had to tell or, or the story that others had to tell was, was as impactful. And I felt kind of like you know, that single pea in a pod instead of being a whole bunch of peas in a pod. I felt like that outsider. And then I realized that if I didn't do it, it was never going to get done. And even if I just did one episode, that was all I needed to do. And I started to reach out to my network and say, hey, I, I'm thinking about doing this. Would you talk with me? Would you spend some time with me? Could we, could we record a conversation? And so I recorded probably about 20 conversations and I've only used of those first few that I recorded over the last two years, I've only used about six of them uh, because things changed by the time I was actually ready to launch the podcast. There were now from zero podcasts to like 30. <laughs> and, uh, you know, every time I Every time I open up my social media, there's a new learning podcast. So at the time, it was because I couldn't find anything that met my needs. And I just wanted to have conversations with people about learning. That's very cool. And we have a similar origin story that we've shared on previous episodes where basically I wasn't hearing the podcast I wanted to hear. So I decided to go out and do it. And uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, hesitation between that and actually doing it and uh, finding Kara to be the co-host and help me out, it was a big deal. And, and here you are, you're out doing it solo. So that's very commendable. <laughs> it, you, well, you know, you both know because I love your podcast too. And you know how long it takes to uh, find the guest, figure out what you're gonna talk about, pre-meet, record, edit. It's, it's a lot of time and uh, the last episode, it's only about a 40 minute episode, but it took me three and a half hours to edit. So, um, you know, it takes a lot of time and, and there's a lot of love put into every episode. Yeah, yeah. And I've noticed that um, you can really go down rabbit holes as far as just how much time you want to put into it. And you need to just kind of 
say, okay, that's good enough type thing. So you can, you can go on about your day. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been, you guys are so awesome. I love your podcast. And I love talking with you. Um, people can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Jack, J-A-C, Hutchinson, H-U-T-C-H-I-N-S-O-N. And uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. Oh, and The Lounge Podcast. I guess I should say that. You can find me at theloungepodcast.com. Well, we hope you enjoyed our conversation with Jack as much as we did. Kara and I got to meet Jack in person shortly after this was recorded, and Kara has been lucky enough to catch her at a few conferences since then. She's a wonderful person, and I highly recommend her podcast, especially if you enjoy ours. Thanks again to today's show's sponsor, Instructional Design Genius. Kara will return next episode, where we interview another great Canadian L&D pro. Stay tuned by subscribing to this podcast. And if you would be kind enough to leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts or the listening tool of your choice, we would greatly appreciate it. And thank you, listener, for listening. (laughs) 